and the PowerPoint will be on the screen in just a moment. Um, I trust it's, it's, it's a lovely chapter. We're finishing. It's, it's the completion of the story. It's, uh, it's winding all things up together. It's like the last chapter in, in a detective novel where you, you see how it all works out. This is the, um, the, the, the culmination. And in it, we see the Lord Jesus Christ. We're winning, I think. Um, so... Th the, the first slide is a picture. Oh, great, you're there. Um, let me go on to this first slide now. Oh, no, it isn't. We'll, we'll, we'll be there in just a moment. But uh, this first picture is just worth you guessing. Well, ne never mind the first picture. Um, it's going to be a picture of Christ the Redeemer, which is the, the largest Art Deco sculpture in the world. It's 30 metres high, it's 20 metres wide, uh, and it's, it, it's a Rio de Janeiro. Perhaps you know it. We've got this amazing picture of Christ the Redeemer looking over the city. It's, it's a Catholic image, and don't worry about that. But, but on the picture... There is a man standing on the palm of the outstretched Redeemer's hands. A bit of a scary place to be. I think he must be doing a base jump or something. I hope he's got a parachute. But, but it's just a lovely picture. There is this large statue. And there is the man safe in the Redeemer's hands. And I think as we focus on Ruth chapter 4, we see that we are in the Redeemer's hands. And it's not a scary place. It's a lovely, wonderful place to be. The theme of this chapter is the redeemer. The word redeem or buy or purchase is used about 15 times in this final chapter. Did you notice that as we went through? Redeemer, redeemer, buy, purchase, price, etc. The Hebrew word gale, which is used some 120 times, I think, in the Old Testament. The authorised version, if you're using that, translates it as kinsman. The ESV, if you're using that, translates it as redeemer. The NIV couldn't make its mind up and translates it as kinsman redeemer. So it's a special word because it's got all these connotations uh, in the Old Testament. What do we see about the Redeemer? Well, we start in verse 1 to see that the Redeemer takes the initiative. Up to chapter 3, it's Ruth and Naomi who's, who's taking the steps, as it were, going out of their way to, to solve their problems. But now in chapter 4, Ruth does nothing. Boaz is the one who acts. He's the one who brings this story to completion. And there we just, at the very first verse, is something wonderful about our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before you even realised that, that there was a God, that you were sinful, that you couldn't approach a holy God, Christ died for you. He paid the redemption price for you and for me. He took the initiative. What a wonderful saviour he is 
You see, at the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for us. What a wonderful saviour, redeemer we have. It's all part of God's plan. But then you see that there is perfect timing. You know, Boaz sits down in this gate just as the other guy walks past. <laughs> Did he plan it? Was it God's timing? But it all fits together. And in fact, all the way through the book, you see God's perfect timing. You, you see God's overruling. You know, as I said at the beginning, he's, he's the author of the book, but he's the producer of the action. He's the, the one who makes it all happen up to now. You see, at the right time, Christ came and died for us. And, and you can go back 2,000 years if you want. And, and there's all sorts of reasons why Christ came at the right time, uh, you know, into the right place, the, the centre of the civilised world, the crossroads, the time when the Roman peace was uh, made, meant the apostles and the other Christians could travel, the time when the Greek language was all over the, the Mediterranean and everyone spoke the same language, no customs, anyone could go, etc. That's the Christmas message. But the right time, Christ our Redeemer came for us. This is uh, the uh, Indian landing on the dark side of the moon, the first moon landing on the dark side where nobody can see. In order for that to happen, all the little bits had to happen exactly as planned. You know, the earth is spinning, the moon's going around the earth, the rocket had to launch at the right time, it had to jettison, it had to have the space capsule in the right position, it had to start the descent, everything's moving. A split-second timing meant that the Indians had a successful landing on the dark side of the moon. But that's nothing to God's planning through history. God's planning that brought his Redeemer to us. And indeed, God's planning in your life that means you're sitting here either enjoying the redemption that Christ has brought us and peace with him and the joy of knowing him, or maybe not yet in that position, but struggling to find faith and to realise what Christ has done for you. God's timing is perfect. But then you see in this chapter that the law is satisfied. Don't want to go into it in depth, but, but the law about the kinsman redeemer was spelt out in the law of Moses. In Leviticus 25, it talks about the one who can redeem. In Deuteronomy 25, it talks about Leverite marriage, the marriage to, to carry on the name of a family. So what Boaz is doing here is fulfilling the Old Testament law in order to sort everything out, in order to be the kinsman redeemer, our saviour, our wonderful redeemer, fulfilled the law. He lived a perfect life. He, he was the only one who had no sin. But more than that, when he died on the cross for us, he was fulfilling the law about the sacrifice for sin, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And that's why you and I can rejoice this morning because the law's penalty has been paid. 
It's not just that God turns a blind eye to your sin and your past and your, your, your nature, your personality. It's that God has seen what you have done. He has judged you. He has found you guilty. But then Christ has stepped in and he has become the guilty one who has fulfilled the law, paid the penalty, so that you and I could be, could be bought by our kinsman redeemer and belong to him. Jesus satisfied the law as our redeemer. But then you get this fascinating twist in the story. Have you wondered what this other guy's doing there? Uh, because at the end of the last chapter, there's... There's this one more kinsman who's a bit closer, who's got the first rights over Ruth and the land. And, and if you heard this story for the first time, you'd be, at the beginning of chapter four, you'd be thinking, great, this is all going to turn out all right. I know what's going to happen. Boaz is going to marry Ruth and they're going to live happily ever after. And then suddenly you find out that actually there's somebody else who could marry Ruth. And Boaz has to take second place. And if you heard it for the first time, you'd be thinking, uh-oh, what's going to happen now? Why does this man feature in this story? Well, first of all, I think, just to make it a lovely story. <laughs> you know, this little twist, you get to the end of the book and it's not turning out as you expected. It's all going pear-shaped. And then, of course, it doesn't in the end of the story. But I think there's a lesson here as well about our Redeemer. Because it shows that Boaz didn't have to do what he's doing. There wasn't actually an obligation on Boaz to redeem Ruth. There was someone else who had that legal obligation. And Boaz comes in because he loves Ruth and he wants her. He wants her to belong to him. This other guy was worried about his inheritance. You know, if I marry Ruth, then, then, then there might be Ruth's kids who, who, who get the inheritance instead of my family. I, 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 I'm not at all sure about this. Boaz had a choice and Boaz redeemed Ruth because he loved her. How else could we picture the fact that Jesus, our Redeemer, had no obligation at all to come to this earth, to live amongst men, to take that road to the cross, to hang there in agony, to suffer God's wrath against our sin? This chapter shows us that our kinsman Redeemer redeemed us out of love purely because he wanted to. There's no logical reason why God should have sent his son to die on the cross for us. For people like us, people who've lived the sort of life that you and I have lived. But he did it because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to die so that we might believe in him and gain eternal life. It shows too that Boaz was willing to pay the price. The other guy wasn't, but for Boaz there were consequences about marrying Ruth. It meant he had to share his inheritance. 
Our joy is that our Redeemer shares his inheritance. He will take us to be with him for eternity. The riches of heaven become ours. Christ carried humanity into the Godhead. And so for eternity, heaven will be populated by people like you and me. Christ was willing to pay the price and to give us that eternal life. And it shows how much detailed care Boaz takes to make sure the law is satisfied. We've mentioned that already, how Jesus satisfied and only he could. There was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. And then our Redeemer is willing to share his inheritance, just as Boaz would no longer be the sole owner of his lands. He would share it with Ruth and the family to come. So the Redeemer redeems. But then in this book as well, we see how the Redeemer blesses. Now, it's for start, we've got this marriage relationship. Now, this is the closest earthly relationship, as it were, in a good marriage where two lives become one. And that is the image that we have in the book of Ruth, of the relationship between us and our Redeemer. To be so close, to be so intimate, to be so united with him. Paul puts it uh, like this in the book of Ephesians. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for us to make us uh, to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word and to present her to himself holy as a radiant church. This, this close marriage relationship that pictures the, 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 the way we know Christ intimately in our lives for eternity, bound to him, always able to go to him, always approachable, never fearing his condemnation, but but coming to him sometimes in tears and seeking forgiveness, but, but always knowing that he is there, one with us, this close relationship. And we're bound to him forever. So this relationship here is, is, is for life, I guess, for, for Boaz and for Ruth, and then we see it through the generations, the fruit of it. But our Redeemer blesses us forever and for always. And then the blessing comes from the Lord. And you see it in several verses uh, here. That it is God who blesses this relationship between Ruth and Boaz. And so our blessings come from the Lord. It's, it's lovely to share fellowship. It's lovely to help each other. It's nice to have good friends. But fundamentally, it is God who is at work in our lives and giving us such rich blessings. But then we're told that they pray that she might be, um, have the blessings of, um, of Rachel and of Leah. Now that's very interesting. Verse 11 it is, the women say, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who's coming to your house like Rachel and Leah. What do you know about Rachel? Rachel was unloved, Rachel was loved but barren. Leah was unloved. 
Isn't that a lovely picture of the grace of Boaz, the Redeemer, and of Christ, our Redeemer? Someone who previously was unloved, someone who previously was barren and fruitless in her life. And yet those are the two names that the women pray that Ruth might become. Why? Because Ruth was barren. She was, she was a widow. Um, she was unloved. She was a foreigner coming to, to Israel. And yet God would bless her and make her fruitful. And just as Rachel and Leah built up the 12 tribes of Israel through, through their children and, and so populated the land and, and, and God's people were blessed, so too the prayer is that Ruth, the unloved and barren one, might become the father of many, the blessing. There is blessing for us, whatever our situation and our background And then there is the offspring coming, uh, the fruit from our lives. May God, our Redeemer, work through our lives and give us spiritual fruit, people that we're able to bless, people that perhaps we can point to the Lord Jesus Christ so that we too may have offspring in the Lord and that our legacy is people who continue to know and to serve uh, the Lord. But then we see here as well Blessing for the outcast. Now the chapter ends with this list of people here. These are the generations of Perez uh, 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 and so on, verse 18. Um, and of course we had it in verse 12. May your house be like the house of Perez, which Tamar bore to Judah. Do you know that story? It's one of those stories that you hesitate to read out in church. It, it's, it's a story of failure and of sin. And Perez was the fruit of, of Judah's appalling behavior. There's the family tree. Uh, born of incest, Perez. Um, uh, maltreated, Tamar. And then Rahab. The, the enemy living in the town of, of Jericho. But you'll find those women in the New Testament, in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus. And it's fascinating, again, this is the Christmas story, that the women who are mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus are women like this, who one way or another have have either done sin, been notoriously sinful, or been maltreated. Because one of the messages of the gospel, of our Redeemer, is that Christ came, well, yeah, he did come for the rich and famous and comfortable, of course. If you're rich and famous and comfortable and everything's going right in your life, Jesus will give you added joy. But Jesus also welcomes, and you see it there in his family tree, he welcomes those who the world has despised, who've been treated badly, who, who are survivors perhaps, who are victims. Come to Jesus, 
He is the one who is strong and kind. You think you've got black sheep in your family? Well, David, the ancestor of Jesus, had more than enough black sheep in his family. But still you can come to Jesus. He is always willing that we should come to him. But then you see that this book tells us that, well, it was Naomi who moves from emptiness and bitterness to fullness and joy. That's you and me because of our Redeemer. We can move from our past into a life of fullness and joy and rich blessing. And Ruth was promised a full nest, pied wagtail chips, if you're interested, filling the nest there. What a promise. Happy Christmas. Just thought I'd be the first. I know you're decorating your church next week, but I'd like to be the first to be happy Christmas. Just be grateful. We've got to decorate our church at 10.30 at night on the Saturday before our carol service because that's because we're in a rented building. So happy Christmas. In Ruth 4, you get one of those wow moments that I think stops you in your track because suddenly you realise that the Redeemer is promised here. What's the clue? Well, the hometown was Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem was mentioned five times in chapter one, so that was your, that was your spoiler. <laughs> that was your alert, you know. Th this, this book is going to be about someone who lives in Bethlehem. So it was because Bethlehem was their home in chapter one that they left to, 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 to go to Moab. They came back to Bethlehem. It's because Ruth claimed her God to, to be the God of Israel. She came back to Bethlehem. She lived there. And because she lived there, her baby was born in Bethlehem. And because Obed was born in Bethlehem, Jesse, I imagine, was born in Bethlehem. We're not told that. Then Jesse fathered David, whose hometown was Bethlehem. But you know Christmas is coming. There is another one whose origins were of old, who would be born in Bethlehem, as the prophet said. Now, doesn't that thrill you? Here we have this lovely picture of this lovely man, this happy ending to this story that started with three funerals. And it ends in Bethlehem, where our Redeemer was born. Praise be to him who planned it from long ago that our Redeemer would be there. So the Redeemer is promised it speaks of fame here. Our Redeemer is famous worldwide. Would that more people believed in him. But his name is known across the world. And this Christmas there will be carols sung across the world. Because Ruth's son through Boaz the Redeemer is David's son, born in Bethlehem, and our Redeemer. We see the promise of blessing 
through the child. Uh, he shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your, age, of your old age. Well, Jesus is the one who restores our life, gives us eternal life and nourishes us in our old age, even into eternity. What a wonderful saviour. And then, of course, the story ends here in Ruth with the shepherd king. Isn't it odd that such a dramatic story, so full of incident, should end with these last few verses? These are the generations of Perez. That, that, that's the bit we normally switch off for, isn't it? But the story ends because the arrow has got to point straight to Jesus. Through Perez, Hezron, Ram, Aminadab, Nashon, Salmon, Boaz the Redeemer, Obed, Jesse, David, straight like an arrow to the Lord Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who is, like David, the Shepherd King, the one who is Lord of all. He's the one who can sort the mess out that the world is in. He's the one who is the King, the ruler of everything. So Ruth is God's love story. It's God's love story for Boaz and Ruth. But also it's God's love story for you. He loves you. He gave his life for you. He is your redeemer. He is the one who will bless you. And here we see a picture of how in love God sent his son to become our kinsman, to redeem us and to unite us to himself in love. Praise his name for the story. Praise his name for the truth. Praise his name for Jesus. We're going to sing as our final song. I cannot tell why he whom angels worship. There are links here with Boaz because it talks about the mystery of how God set his love upon us. It talks about him as the shepherd. There's a mention of Bethlehem. But the, the repeat theme is, and so the saviour, saviour of the world, is come. Thank you.
Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for our Redeemer. Thank you that in love you came and gave your life for us and rose again to be our Saviour. So much we don't understand, but this I know. Christ is my Redeemer. He paid for my sin and he takes me to be with him forever. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.